0: Let's do this again. Uh, Three.
1: What? It was a great two. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Cush and Kai. I'm Kai. I'm Cush. What's good, y'all? through time as only one crazy man uh, the only american member of monty python uh, and uh, who directed most of the things we saw what do we see kush 1981's time bandits by terry gilliam uh an improbable movie to have come out uh, a beetle uh, mortgaged his uh, one of his buildings to get one of this part of this movie made that's george harrison you're referring to right <clears throat> Yes, who also included a song in this. and uh, Is that he... the song that runs at the end? Yes, it is. Okay. That mm-hmm. is the one. And he called, even though he personally went out of pocket to film it, he, I mean, to, to pay for that so Gilliam could make it, uh, he called Gilliam just an unrequited, bullish asshole. He was super oh. stubborn. <laughs> so that completely, completely on brand for uh, Terry Gilliam mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. being difficult and then improbably this movie did great at the box office this was the number 10 movie
0: of 1981 following up such things as where is it here like the four seasons for your eyes only as a james bond film uh-huh. fire the first cannonball run hey bill murray stripes only <laughs> Moore author wow stripes superman 2 on Golden Pond, bringing up the rear, and number one at the box office that year is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Big year so, for this movies. is big year for movies. This is a this movie's in great company. It's just ahead of Clash of the Titans, FYI, coming mm-hmm. in with a modest forty two million dollars internationally, or worldwide, I should say, and that's uh that's only eight hundred and twenty one theaters. Wow, you know, a movie like this today sees maybe maybe twenty five hundred theaters
1: it yes. sees it sees the back of the prime uh, amazon prime store <laughs> well that's true now yeah how uh, did this movie come about
0: our, our, our archive?
1: Uh speaking of amazon prime oh it popped up apple is working on a deal with taika Watiti to come <laughs> on and direct a television series which definitely piqued my interest
0: that's right we did a microdose on that and we uh, we decided right there in front of all of
1: you that's yeah. what we were going to do. That's just how this this process works sometimes, folks. Absolutely. And let me tell you why Taika is a perfect choice for this. Hmm. Because as he demonstrated in uh, Ragnarok, mm-hmm. he can do escapism. Okay. He's great at those moments. He's great. He's got that there's a there's a there's a comedic timing in there where things can be menacing but then also inane and and humorous in that way. And I have to say, this is definitely like full on. The Time Bandits, the movie, the eighty one, mm. full on high form escapist Terry Gilliam. Because this 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 is like it has all of your you know kid goes on a journey in their bedroom. You know, like mm. they're taken away from from the moment. Like this thing goes. Yeah, it's it's. It's a
0: wild fucking movie. It, yeah, it just it goes all worked. over the place. You never know which, if it's up or down, what's left and what's right, et cetera. Something,
1: yeah, there's heroes and there's just fucking terrifying stuff. Like he doesn't, he's perfect to make child, you know, child related media because he wants to scare the viewer and he's not afraid of that.
0: Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting stuff with uh, the editing too. Sometimes we're falling
1: upward. Sometimes we're in a negative shot. Gosh. And then he has a style he does in a few different movies, but it's great in this one where uh, there's a wall or like a feature of a building that turns into like something you can fall into or a never ending hallway. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fantastic. Just tricks uh, up his sleeve there. But that was, yeah, that pops up a few other times in his, in his movies. One of the more successful ones, like it has a great, was reviewed pretty well. People saw it at the box office. Mm-hmm. He did not, I don't think he expected this one to go as far either. He wanted to make Brazil first too. Oh. On, uh, he, w- he was apparently uh, just written, but he was not allowed to, which. <laughs> well, I, no, I, I have not seen Brazil, so. That is, yeah, that's, it's in my like, you know, if I had three movies I had to take with me, that's, uh, that's on the. Mm-hmm. That's on Look, the chart. at
0: Gary Gilliam's uh, box office returns here. Time Bandits is his second most successful movie. Again, 42 million worldwide. Number three, Fisher King. Yeah. We discussed uh, on a previous Cushion Kai episode that came in with 41
1: million. But uh, the number one slot was 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. Yeah. Dude, I wouldn't, be, monkeys. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't say no to twelve monkeys
0: on this. Twelve spot. monkeys, like not only is twelve monkeys great, but I'm surprised it's so high because number five is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas.
1: That is Considering true.
0: How many d bags I hear quoting that goddamn movie to me just because they smoked a joint or some hash at a party? This, this that movie only made ten million dollars. That's crazy. I like. I love that movie. Um, oh.
1: it's all okay you think it's okay? I hit it at the right time. Anything, then, how
0: many people are quoting it uh, in my in my circumference and my radius? It should be way higher on this list. Just just by
1: relevancy's sake, absolutely. Yeah. I have to say, after that, after Fear and Loathing, he kind of lost his mind more so because we go to The Brothers Grimm, oof, in o five, as well as Tideland. He had two movies come out in o five. It was unfortunate timing and a mess, but the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus was. That like broke his brain when poor Heath Ledger died. Uh, Because that. that... Have you seen that? No. That's the one where like Johnny Depp has to take over Midway. Yeah, a few. And then like it becomes a thing, and then like a few different people take it over. And it's just. It's impossible to follow, even if it is. Anyway, an homage. It's. And then Zero Theorem. Oh my God! Wait, just because you, is. just because you can get Christoph Waltz's phone number, like don't, Chris, you didn't need to take this call. God, <laughs> what's then, Tideland? I actually have no idea what Tideland was. Mm-hmm. Who's in this thing? Hey, uh, Jeff Bridges down there. Mm, I'm I'm seeing uh, Monty Python and the Holy
0: Grail doesn't have a lifetime grip. <laughs> it's 1975 and. The uh, the box office mojo only goes as far back as 1980, but uh, what, what do we know about uh, the Holy Grail? How far? How high do we think that is? Because I think that might have might have some relevance on this top five here.
1: I don't know. That one did pretty good. Gosh, and he didn't. Uh, he was
0: Brazil 1985. That's only ten years later. That's the number six movie. Um, I'm surprised it did that well. A lot
1: of people hated that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Baron Munchausen, the Adventures of Just Below. Oh, that's right, Baron Munchausen. And then there was one other one, Jabberwocky, be up there. Yeah, Jabberwocky,
0: 1977. No, no record to report.
1: No record. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these things weren't money making endeavors, but they were for the love of the game. He was. (laughs) He puts his weirdo mojo right in the like just puts it right on front street but that run i have to say of as a director to go like time bandits time bandits meaning of life brazil munchausen fisher king 12 monkeys fear and loathing las vegas that's a good run of films i appreciated it and i was just watching him today be interviewed on early early 90s david letterman like young like dark haired david letterman hmm. and terry gilliam comes in and he does two pratfalls like he pretends to make the chair fall over backwards all right. you're like <laughs> all right always, uh, always, always performing always on always on that's or not I, t- that's never tiring <laughs> <laughs>
0: now as we record this i believe the the don quixote movie is finally coming out in like a week are you are you yes. going to be able to see that guy
1: i it's not not locally i will still have to wait till i can jimmy it loose on some streaming service I dig it but i'm gonna have to check that out too mm. looks i'm worried Kush, there's not a great track record happening over there you have to see that movie just
0: based on its historical like, yes nonsense i haven't even it, seen the documentary i would like to
1: get into that sometime it's, re- it's it, it has reached that status as an important movie. If it took this much effort by somebody that I mostly respect some artistic merit out of.
0: Uh, I'm already booked to work that night, so that's why I don't don't already have a ticket in my hand. But, uh, good stuff. Yeah, I'd um, very much like to see it.
1: This movie, I it's didn't know. Yeah, let's get to the movie. Know... Yeah, to the movie. <laughs> this movie, I didn't know exactly what some of the themes in there were because mm-hmm. you could chalk it up to at the end he, he walks the road of the wait did this all happen was this a dream kind of a thing yeah but but the ending is kind into, of fucked up. oh no absolutely this happened <laughs> which was fun because that's it goes completely against so many others where it's like wait was this a dream it was like no motherfucker your parents are dead <laughs> yeah
0: um uh, i always had a problem with that when i was a kid apparently uh so did a couple of the producers
1: we're not fans he had to fight to keep that ending where they just explode for not following directions but again great grim you know what i mean like grim fairy tale type of basic (laughs) don't turn around you'll turn to a pillar of salt i mean it was the bible but still very basic rules in that world that his parents or no, well, now I follow. saw
0: this movie very early on as a child to the point where like I only saw it on cable, so I'm, I'm talking 1983, 1984. Mm-hmm. It made its run on uh, CBS a few times. Um, still too young to process any of it. So I only remember flashes of this movie coming back into it. But since we already talked about the, the ending here, when the parents blow up, I always feel well, like there should be more of the movie happening. But then it just <laughs> ends.
1: And, it uh, just and, leaves you <laughs> yeah, it pull the 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 camera pulls back into the sky, and then we see it's god's uh map that they had, or the great great creator's map being yeah. rolled up, and he's inside of it, um and yeah, they just sort of end. he doesn't go like you know there yeah, there was a like a post credit scene where he's like working with the um the bandits themselves in the <laughs> workshop that would have been fun, something like that, or him going. Yeah, like go hang out with Agamemnon. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah, uh, like what the fuck is up with that? The, the the fire department just puts out the fire and then
1: they just bail out. Yep, <clears throat> they were done. Well, the, I mean, uh, I, the it's a Kingdom weird, it's a fire. weird ending. That's but you know, they we a weird ending, man. That's well, it, is, it It's an ending. It is. That I mean, is. they do. All right, let's, that's
0: the ending. Let's talk about the beginning.
1: Let's talk about the beginning. So. Going back to the beginning, great, funny. The parents are, for some reason, obsessed with technology, and then obsessed the representation of parents. evil is also obsessed with that. So, is there some sort of message buried? And you know, there has to be coming from this guy. But I, yeah, it's uh, consumerism. That's just we're. It's the easy, easy mode. There. That's where we don't need to take it any further. Yeah, they're obsessed with coveting technology, yeah. and there's a. <laughs> the kitchen that's being advertised the the mom says it can cook a frozen beef bourguignon meal in 15 seconds that sounds terrifying anything can that can get, do that susan got claimed they got one i could do it in six seconds oh. six
0: <laughs> seconds hey eh?
1: six seconds i don't want to be anywhere near that thing <laughs> that had it that has to be thrown off radiation that's dangerous you get your hand near it it cooks that yeah that's a problem. And then Terry eases us in weirdly because that happens and the kid goes to bed and then a freaking knight on a horse just pops the hell out of his dresser. And, and then it took them two weeks to get the horse jump through through a jump through a dresser. Oh man, that sounds like a pain in the ass. And then it it's immediately confusing because then his bed is out in the woods, I guess. Yes. But then he's back. So, weirdly, are they fencing this on? He has, he's already, like, he's asleep, or he's imagining this, or he is full on, like, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, like, shit's coming through there.
0: He, he's definitely confused.
1: He, he, he
0: knows what he saw, but he doesn't believe what he saw. So, just to be safe, he, he brings in the family Polaroid. He just waits, and he waits, and he waits. And then he eventually just falls asleep. And then we get we meet our, our our brand new six friends. Indeed, they are fun. These little little people in this Fidget, uh, Strutter, Og, Wally, Vermin, and Randall.
1: Uh, Randall, yes.
0: Randall yeah. is the leader.
1: David Rappaport. He's. They're all. They're all fantastic. Yeah, I wish I had read into like more of the story where they came from. But Kenny Baker of r2d2 fame plays a fidget in there which is cool and then these guys too if you've seen any stretch of movies these folks are all over like yeah.
0: any movie in the 70s or early 80s that had midgets or little people in them these these were the dudes that they hired like, these
1: were core they were they were fantastic in there
0: uh david Rappaport insistent that he earned the role for his acting ability and not his stature or height
1: love it he brought it too yeah, he, he was, was, he was in he was, he was great how old is David Ravaport? Oh, he's, he's uh oh no, he died in 1990. Oh, RIP, oh. Red Bomber. Uh, you were great. You'll be you'll be remembered. So they storm in. We immediately start learning about what they're what they're doing, which is they have a map, a map of all the holes in what the fabric of space time mm-hmm. that you can slip through to move around. Dude. And again, I'm. So glad that they didn't really w- weigh a bunch of details on this because there's just an infinite amount of questions about how this works. It doesn't seem
0: to be any rhyme or reason, and the, the the map is just it's it's as wide a shot it can be. But he just points at things like, yeah, oh yeah, this 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 wormhole is just you know thirty feet this way.
1: It, yeah, it's, it's completely static, but they're pulling all sorts of information off it. That yeah, I don't today that map is like CGI'd and does a bunch of crazy shit, whereas then it can just be. The, like it's just a thing there
0: regardless randall's the only one who can read it um, eventually there is a a small mutiny and i think i think it's strutter who tries to take the map from him i believe so if it's not him it's wally and if it's not him it doesn't matter but they're unable to read the map and so therefore
1: randall is uh, the leader even though they agreed to no leaders there you go so as soon as they're in this too they find out why The bandits thought that Kevin turning a flashlight on him, that he was somebody else. They thought they were, because they're being pursued by... The supreme being. Who pops out of a wall and is animated in that Terry Gilliam style. And yeah, this puts Kevin along a path with them. They fall into an infinite nothingness and pop up in... What was it? The Middle Ages? Oh, no, no. It was uh, in France. That's where they land first. That's right. Our first adventure takes us to Napoleon-occupied France. Indeed, and they uh, through wall uh, again. Uh, they're in the barn, and we hear about Napoleon is just these in Europe circa uh, 1793. Napoleon played by Ian Holm. Ian also uh, is in Brazil later. There's a few. There's a few folks that he took from here to there. Catherine Helmond too plays Mrs. Ogre, uh, also prominently featured in Brazil. Yeah,
0: um, She was originally supposed to be in full ogre makeup and then she was like, you know, it'd be funnier if I wasn't in the makeup. And I think she just didn't want to wear the makeup.
1: I totally believe that as the mom from Who's the Boss. She wasn't taking shit. (laughs) There are some beautiful shots in this. Like when they're approaching the city at night and it's on fire and they're just paddling up this little river that winds through the town. There's some gorgeous little shots in there. Do you think that was a soundstage or were they actually just paddling up a moat? I think they were that looked real. That looked legit. Like all the the stonework and stuff. That's hard to fake. You got to just go to an old, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Old old city with a with a canal in it. And what's their plan? Rob, Napoleon. rob, Napoleon. rob Napoleon. Great, freaking great. So they find him. They watch Napoleon and they find him watching just a Punch and Judy puppet show. Mm-hmm. And he is laughing his ass off. He loves the little things thing. Um. Also, just a quick note here. Um, There are a ton of really standard Napoleon is small jokes. Mm -hmm. But I just want to reiterate, because we're a history forward podcast, I actually believe he was close to 5'6 or Mm 5'7, which was average and or above height for a French officer at times. Mm -hmm. The real, there was a kind of the short thing, kind of a mistranslation, because he jumped up in military ranks really rapidly. And some thought, usurping or grasping power so some people would refer to him as his previous rank which was far below being you know the emperor of europe Mm. um so that's where it came from and then there was also an inference where his guards were taller than him at one point so it is not a him short thing it was a this whole time
0: i thought it was at least you know we were just talking shit and just trying to trying to piss him off you know like calling you know calling mm -hmm. kim jong-un like fat
1: hmm Well, he is fat, though. Oh, okay, But well, he doesn't like that. There you go. That, same, same difference. <laughs> so then Napoleon apparently has been there for a while, and he has seen all of the things as this uh, siege goes on.
0: He, he has and, made the Punch and Judy puppet show like <laughs> repeat itself three or four times now. The
1: way he describes what he wants is kind of describing the Punch and Judy things. I want uh, the, little, the little things hit each other. And the showrunner who is fantastic, He goes backstage to shoot himself Because he's like, hey, I'm not, I'm out of ideas. Oh, yeah, no,
0: he, he's going to hang himself. It's uh, the guy in the puppet box. The only reason why his show ends after a third time is because he gets shot somehow.
1: <laughs> yeah. He there's gets, no explanation uh, about it. He just, uh, he just random gets a bullet, bullet flying around the box. No, he's going to shoot himself at first when the bandits walk up. Oh, and yeah. then they just put on a little song and dance. And then there's like a, a silence after they perform. And that's when he's tying the, the rope around his neck because he's yeah. like, this, this is not going well. Uh, but of course, Napoleon loves it. So he takes them back to the palace to get drunk. And and, not before uh, making them all generals,
0: uh, replacing the
1: current generals.
0: Replacing the current generals. Who are all now standing in winter of France in their long johns. In their undies. Uh, with, they still have their hats.
1: But, um, so Napoleon gets drunk and they're taking a bunch of shit. And then they make their daring escape through literally a quantum leap door, <laughs> <laughs> which that premiered two years before this came out. So way later, way later. Quantum leap was like 88. Was it
0: 88? Uh, 89, 90. It's, it's much, much further away than time bandits, but you know, probably influenced as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, cause that's a quantum leap door. That mm-hmm. thing. Hilarious. Then they land in Sherwood forest. Yes randall's feeling pretty good about himself he comments to everybody the man we just robbed won't be born for another 500 years
1: a fun detail when in a time time travel movie hmm. and then they start to just just the little details that they give they don't really go heavy into it the whole time but they start talking about what they used to do and they were in the trees and shrubs division and they were annoyed that they weren't being recognized for their accomplishments now one of the things that they note in their accomplishments the pink bunkadoo it's a tree 600 feet high bright red smelled terrible (laughs) just perfect just perfect it was like eh, just begging the question like why why would anyone like that but
0: they they still have all the it'd probably be a very pretty tree if it didn't smell so terrible
1: oh and it was seems like a detail
0: they could fix but whatever
1: and that's when they take a congratulatory photo with the Polaroid and they're holding out the map. They remember to do that. Hmm. And they go by uh, a young Shelley Duvall and Michael Palin being beset by a uh, highwayman. This is a Dame Pansy and uh, oh, whatever
0: his name is. Uh, <clears throat> Vincent. Is that Vincent?
1: michael palin yeah. yes vincent yeah. he needs fruit for his problem what is his problem because
0: they, they they keep mentioning that and i feel like these are supposed to be two specific people
1: yeah i don't know okay. there was a there was a and vincent pops back up a few times uh, in different time periods yeah it was it was almost it was it was cloud atlasy in a way <laughs> yeah
0: yeah him and him and dame pansy will be lady pansy both uh they managed to find their way onto the Titanic later.
1: Fantastic callbacks uh, for that. That was a nice touch, right? Uh, That was great. I I thought that was a nice little touch. And then Michael Palin was going to play Robin Hood originally. So they wrote, Michael Palin wrote himself back in when John Cleese took over for the Robin (laughs) Hood. Which is a good, I mean, that's that's a good tactical rewrite of your own stuff. I like that. And this time Uh, he wrote himself in with Shelley Duvall. Why not? Why not? John Cleese as Robin Hood. Fantastic. Uh, just so so dry, and and he's so, so pleased that they've the bandits brought him a huge haul of treasure. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange system that this Robin Hood has set up. Uh, he's got
0: his thugs, and they they seem to give the rich to the poor, as as always noted. Mm-hmm. But they go about it a little differently. There's some reason Robin's top thug, colcocks everybody in the jaw.
1: <laughs> and they go, he goes like, "Is that absolutely necessary?"
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid it is. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, if you're giving these folks, like, gold goblets and whatnot, I, I guess. They don't seem to have anything themselves. Mm. Uh, Robin seems to have uh, his, his his greens are all nice and clean, but everyone else is living in the muck still.
1: Yeah, it's pretty gross. So they, they move on from there, having lost their, their treasure. Uh, but then we get our first introduction to evil, as he's just known. And, yeah, this, this freaking thing... It looks like, Did you, you saw the original Dune, right? We were talking about that? Uh, yes, it's been a long time, too. It's but got I, shades I of that, but then... You bring like, up
0: Evil, played by David Warner.
1: David uh, Warner. Again,
0: I saw this again in 1983, 1984, uh, very young. But I also saw this the same time Tron came out. And for go. years I kept mixing up scenes between the two movies and I couldn't figure out why
1: until this screen.
0: And <laughs> you know why that is?
1: That is great.
0: Uh David Warner, who plays Evil, also plays Sark of in course Tron. He Sark. So he he uh he in two movies back to back, he played a bad guy wearing a red cowl.
1: Indeed. So this is a blend. Yeah, there's there's the Arrakis people. There's sort of a Dune kind of a vibe there. Then you got your Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome kind of outfits Mm -hmm. uh in there a little bit. And then plastic tarps over them for some reason. It's very yeah, it's like steampunky kind it's just gross looking most of the time and dark.
0: And the staff is literally begging them to kill them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we and he does. He zaps a few of them when they uh they're gonna ask him how come he's stuck in there if he can go anywhere he wants. But he has plans to escape. Because, as he said, once he gets knowledge of what was it—lawnmowers and toasters—then he'll get knowledge of machines, and then he'll get knowledge of computers, and then he will be the supreme being, whatever the hell that means. Yeah,
0: he uh, he also made a very specific reference to random trunk dialing. Ah, and I had to look up what that is, and that is that is the ability that we all take for granted now with our cell phones. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is the ability just to dial your mom's phone number and call her directly without having to go through an operator switchboard.
1: Ah, lost, lost bits of information here.
0: Yeah. So uh, Uh, that's 1981 when random trunk dialing was the big thing
1: that was going to, it was going to solve some shit just like the internet was supposed to, but look what happened.
0: (laughs) There was a time when you used to also have to like, you'd have your local phone provider
1: Yes. And that might
0: be ATT, and then maybe Sprint was your long distance carrier if you need to call someone Mm -hmm.
1: just in the next town. It was impossible. Yeah. It was impossible. So he zaps a few henchmen. They move on from Robin Hood World. Where do they go? Yeah, this could be, yeah, this is just pieces of Westworld that they're walking through. Where do they go? I forgot. We get to Sean Connery as Agamemnon. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I guess the thing he's fighting is a stand in centaur kind of a thing. There's a minotaur.
0: He's fighting a dude with a, wearing a bull's head for a mask.
1: So he's supposed to be on Crete or the Minos, you know, something, something. And Connor's like a cool guy. He wants to like show Kevin some stuff. He's like, come, be my son. You know, he, he's, he's into it. Yeah, he's full on ready to
0: adopt Kevin. Uh, just this random Greek warrior that he just met in the desert, um, which is also kind of creepy when you put it that way. But, yeah, a
1: young boy riding with a Greek uh, on yeah. isolated island, yeah, after a battle. They, they put on a full party for Kevin, and then uh, the time bandits show back up. They, oh, there's a great shot during that feast where yeah. somebody cuts open a giant hog and all this fruit spills out. That's a that's a baller feast move. It's like, guess what's in the pig? Treats. <laughs> <laughs> it was good stuff. Yeah, they show up they take him. Would Kevin just have Probably had a better life?
0: Taste really sweet too, with all the
1: fruits in its Absolutely. Mm. Oh my God. Sorry. So where does the, yeah, where does, it, it, now we know that Kevin's life doesn't turn out great. I mean, he's in for the ride of his uh, ride of a lifetime, but should he just stayed in, Cre- you know what I mean? He, he wanted John to stay. He, he, he fought the time bandits after their,
0: their, their whole little uh, smoke and mirrors trick. Uh, he's, he like he doesn't want to go he he's perfectly content with staying in ancient greece and whatever. his
1: instincts are actually like
0: correct more than other folks most of the time yeah he's all and he's ready to give up his parents He he's, he's going to use the last of his polaroids on sean connery and then he's going to learn the ways of the warrior or, or something or other like that
1: yeah <laughs> Man, so yeah, the time bandits scoop them up, and where do they land? But the safest place in the world on the deck of the Titanic.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's fun too because they rob everybody at the party. That is fun. They even uh, they're all uh crown,
1: and they I love they're all dressed in little suits too.
0: yeah Oh, so they, they got the tuxedos. Everyone's having a martini, smoking a cigar. It, it would be a pretty fantastic getaway had there not been one problem. And uh, that's an iceberg.
1: And then they're all hanging on a door. So it can carry Rose or Jack or seven small bodies. (laughs) That's how the math works out. But uh, they move on to their next port of call here. And I couldn't quite, I was trying to derive what's going on, but does the evil Lord, does he, he, does he trick them when he's stirring the water to get the map to show? something like there's some relation between what they're looking at and then evil laying a trap for this to happen.
0: Yeah. Things get a little hazy at this point here. At some point they go from surviving the Titanic to another ocean and another time where just a, just a giant or no, they they get picked up by the ogres.
1: The the ogres.
0: Yeah. They randomly get picked up by the ogres. They, they, they best the ogres and steal their boat Mm -hmm. and then a giant, just walks out of the water. He's been underwater the entire time, so he's got great lung capacity. Incredible. He walks out of the water with the ship <laughs> on his head, not even phasing him. Like, mm-hmm. I get annoyed if like an eyelash is out of place, and this guy's just walking around with a ship on his fucking head.
1: That is something. And you know what that reminded me of, too, or reverse reminded me of? I was like, there's a lot of Cabin Boy cabin here. Boy, I, right? see, I see absolutely where this came from. It was Cabin yeah. They, they watch this movie and they're like, yeah, no, something weird. Oh, yeah, it was the most fabulous object in the world. They kept saying that and then the evil guy was laughing like they fell for it. So where, where do they head towards? Fortress of Ultimate Darkness. Hmm. Oh, yeah, the uh, ogres, ogres are in the time of legends. That's what that was. Okay. And the dwarves locate the darkness for the most fabulous object in the world. But obviously, it's a trap. It was kind of like it was game showy for a second, but they all get tricked and they're locked in a cage over another apparently like bottomless void. Yeah, so they're bummed out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not great. Not going great well, all the time. They lo- just keep losing treasure. Uh, this plan is not is not finding out. However, had to run away from the uh, a
0: severed head, a glowing severed head. Couple Continue times. Chase them, and mm-hmm. now they're in a cage. Thankfully, no one ever throws your personal belongings away when you are held
1: hostage. A prisoner. You know, that's some weird ironclad, like, villain. You know what I mean? They won't broach that pact. It's like, no, we'll keep his satchel that we won't look through, All we'll right. keep it in the storehouse. And thankfully, that satchel is containing a <laughs> knife. And that's
0: when uh, I believe Strutter crawls, mm-hmm. uh, picks the lock, climbs up the side of the cage. And then just starts cutting off sheets of rope for them.
1: Yeah, and this works. And they uh, the others go out through the hole here. But uh, Evil stops Kevin and gets the map. And then a great scene with the dwarves coming and returning with fighting machines and warriors all across time, but it doesn't really do anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did you notice that the, the throne room is covered in Legos? Was that Legos? Yeah, the the various columns are Lego pieces.
1: I totally missed that. I was oh, not I thought you'd have been all over that. Oh, I got to go back. I did not watch the highest quality. Gotcha. <laughs> as this last time through. But as evil is about to destroy them, suddenly poof into charcoal it explodes and a middle-aged guy in a suit comes out. And uh, he's a supreme being, a very British supreme being. Like, oh, well, yeah, on, of course.
0: Put all this <laughs> rubbish in uh, this bin here.
1: Yeah. So, so, okay, so he reveals that it was all he was just testing to see if the system worked, mm-hmm. and it was like just so he could destroy the evil guy. But then, if you're the supreme being, couldn't you have done that anyway? And he was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean. He's just like, eh, let's see what this happens here. Uh, supreme being tells all the time bandits to the concentrated evil because they can be quite deadly if you touch them wrong. So they gather everything up and Kevin is stranded. I mean, like they're leaving. Except in his bedroom all of a sudden. And now we're right at the end. And it's filled. Okay. And that's when the firefighters come in. And it was actually uh, Sean Connery mentioned his idea. that It's like, maybe I'll come back as a different part. At the end the uh, they didn't shoot it because Connery only had 14 days to shoot all of his stuff. But then when they kind of didn't like ending, Gilliam remembered that Connery said he was actually back in London for a couple of days. So they got him those two quick shots and they plopped him into the moon. Yeah, I had heard, so
0: what I had heard was Agamemnon, Agamemnon, Whatever, Sean Connery is supposed to show up at the big... Uh, <laughs> Sean Connery shows up at the big battle and uh, saves the day and all that stuff. But he, he actually had like uh, a, a scheduling conflict because of 007, whatever. And then it was just like, well, we, we should make a complete circle, so how about I show up as a fireman or something?
1: That's what I heard,
0: though. That's, that's what I heard.
1: These stories are interrelated. Yeah. So, he discovers... Kevin discovers he still has the photos, and he's like, what?! This is like labyrinth. Oh, if that party at the end was real, <laughs> which would be awesome. Who would bet? They're all so huggable. So then, his parents discover the smoldering rock in the toaster oven, and then Kevin's like, "Don't touch it! It's evil!" And they're like, "What? Screw you!" So they touch it and obviously explode, leaving only their shoes. When the the camera starts pulling back and go Pull out, George Harrison, and uh, yeah, we're clear. <laughs> what a fucking rabbit!
0: Yeah, it's a rough ending. It's a rough ending.
1: It's a. However, it apparently
0: a, tested very well with children, and that's how um, that's how Terry Gilliam got his way and It got to. State. It
1: is. I wish he would do more ch- children related material. Get away from the zero theorem. Go back to scaring kids. He's. <laughs> well, geez, going back to the watch the second time, has, it got look. I appreciated the look like, of this and like the set pieces, and they're going to different eras, but. There's some parts where I'm it's not a long say, but it felt long. I enjoyed it. It's a dry two hours for sure. It's
0: dry. It's a little dry. But I enjoyed it's aged, but it's it's um
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's entertaining. A lot of care put into these different eras, like lots of imagination, fun little you yeah, know, fun little runners. Great set, like,
0: great set pieces, great manipulation of the camera. Great uh, art direction, great, um, great miniatures. Uh, yeah, I, I bring- look. I look forward to actually seeing the uh, the the Apple TV uh, series out of this because you can do something oh, yeah. more with it. So you can I actually think- spend more time in Robin Hood's Sherwood Forest. And- Not
1: only that, like how, like the budget that they can bring to it to make it look, you know, to put you there or mm-hmm. to put, you know, weaving the universe look, look uh, in. And my God, if they go the Tricker's Guide direction, I'll be terrified. But mm-hmm. that could happen. But it's I, a possibility. I, I want them to. To I want to pull this up. I believe in him. Could, what did you do? Do. Apparently, yeah. if you go
0: down the movie box office page a little further, there's an uh, adjusted for ticket price inflation uh, section. Mm-hmm. time bandits just creeps past Twelve Monkeys by a good $50 million dollars. Ooh, there you go. So uh, that's a uh, one thirty one versus one sixteen million, and then Let's A see. Fisher King still still holds its third place. Brazil holding fifth fear and loathing holding sixth or no, those numbers are all switched around, but yeah. Fisher King holding third.
1: I love all those movies. Jeez. Yeah. Would you recommend this movie? Absolutely. I think folks should see it. It is. Yeah. If you're like thing that totally different, we'll get uh, these elements together ever again. Probably as improbable as it was uh, that it came together.
0: Yeah, yeah. No one's gonna make movies like this ever again. So
1: I don't think so. I mean, one person's been trying, and they're not same. Yeah, Terry Gilliam's been trying
0: to continue to make movies like this, and just it's not working out for him.
1: Ooh. Oh, I was just googling this. Uh, how come Quantum Leap never had a movie? That's coming. I, I just googled you. it. Leap Creator has written a feature movie script. Obviously, yeah. Oh. If,
0: if it doesn't get it's a, another series reboot uh, it's definitely going to get a movie sooner than later that's that
1: was a fun series as well you can just yeah you can there's some cap- to it because you have to like get the rights and stuff but you could just open up old tv guides and f- to find out what the next property that's coming back is Ooh, right yeah, that would be a fun uh fun like all right well let's just throw a bunch of names in a hat pull out six and see what which- this year <laughs> yeah and not
0: all of them land like the, the six billion dollar man that's that was going to be a thing and then like well maybe that's not going to be a thing now
1: yeah or or how up chips
0: chips should well, yeah, this is going to be a thing but it, maybe maybe it shouldn't have been a thing
1: they're going to try though chips. i didn't Yeah, the bottom them. i didn't either i uh pena and what's what's his foot yeah dax dax that was dax's movie that was his big thing oh buddy What's he doing now, Dak Shepard? All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Christian. Kai. We're talking about Dak Shepard now. Yeah, bailout. We got. Yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. Follow us. Com. I too would recommend. Movie. Uh, I had a good time. Down. Memory. Maybe at some point we will take a dab towards Brazil. I don't. I don't want to watch my favorite movies of all time. But maybe that's the direction we're going. But thank you for joining us to Tara Gilliam's Mad Mind, who uh, yeah, he wants to hold for all of you. Jack Shepard's 6'2". Jeez. Hmm. Rock out <laughs> guy. Kristen Bell's 5'1".
0: TheBosley.net
1: Sit, Bosley, sit. After that, after Fear and Loathing, He kind of lost his mind more so.